This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Part of the reason we're meeting tonight is we are helping to prepare those traveling to Greece and Turkey with what you need to know to get the most out of this trip. Uh, but having said that, the cities that we're going to be studying together, this is really going to be topical uh, for you uh, because through the pictures, the passages in Scripture that we're going to see, uh, these, we want these cities to just come alive for you and, and transport you back uh, through things that we read about in the book of Acts. And then you really get... Scripture is wonderful because you get locations, you get events that happen in these cities, and then when you get to the epistles, the letters written to these churches, and then in the book of Revelation, as the Lord Jesus himself speaks directly to the hearts of seven churches, you get to see their spiritual condition and you get to look right into their hearts of the things that were happening. And it's amazing how the geography of where they were influences uh, the words that the Lord challenges them with. And so let me just quickly give you an example. Uh, we are going to travel uh, to uh, Laodicea, Colossae, and Hierapolis. The interesting thing about those cities is they literally are within walking distance of each other. Now in ancient times, it was a pretty good walk, uh, but literally by vehicle you can be from one place to the next in just a couple minutes. Uh, but those three cities were cities that the Apostle Paul uh, never visited. The Apostle John was never there. But there was an evangelist working in those cities. His name was Epaphras. And so, uh, no doubt, through letters, these, these servants of the Lord, these church leaders are communicating with each other. And uh, based on things that Paul had heard, he writes to Colossae. Uh, he does mention Laodicea, but he doesn't speak to them directly. The one that speaks to Laodicea is the Lord Jesus through the Apostle John, who's banished on the Isle of Patmos. But what's interesting is the admonition to the Laodiceans. The Lord said, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're what? Lukewarm. And what does he say? Therefore, here's my response. What did he say? Spew you out of my mouth. The terminology there is, he's saying, you make me sick, I, I'm going to throw up. Now, what did those people understand about lukewarm water? Well, when you stand on Main Street in Laodicea, and you look this direction, you see a mountain wall that looks like it's snow-covered, but it's not snow. What it is, it's, it's white mineral deposit because of the hot springs up there and the water coming down the side of that and it's built up so it looks like snow but it's mineral deposit. And that sulfur water coming out of those hot springs doesn't smell so good but it came down that hill and ran into Laodicea. Now over here is Colossae 
and they had a freshwater river that ran past Colossae, and that also ran into Laodicea, but before it got into the city, that sulfur warm water, uh, hot, by this time it's warm, and that, that fresh water coming from Colossae, it would mix and it'd run right into the city. And guess what it was? It was not only lukewarm, but you didn't want to drink it. And so they would actually go upriver towards Colossae to get their water to bring into the city. And so when the Lord says, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out. Every resident of Laodicea knew exactly what the Lord was saying to them. And that nasty stuff flowing into their city was representative of where they were spiritually. So, you don't get the sense of that unless you're standing on Main Street in Laodicea. Or the sense of how corrupt the Corinthians were, how immoral they were, until you're standing in the temple district in those ruins in Corinth. And you don't get a sense of what Paul was experiencing, uh, where the philosophers of Athens came out onto Mars Hill. And... And when we get there, it'll be it'll just tug at your heart because as he's preaching on Mars Hill, there's a pathway that leads uh, away from Athens up a small hill, and it was at halfway up that hill that the bema for Athens was. When they had problems in the city, the judge sat out here and they would bring the problems to the bema. But then when you look this way, Athens has got that famous. The Agora was the shopping area, but they've got that famous temple. You've all seen it in pictures. So that's where they worship the gods. And it, it is so striking that, that the, the, the broad way that led to how the people of Athens thought and what they worshipped, it was this direction, and there's proof. But then there's a narrow way that leads this way, and there's a Bema seat. You see any imagery there? And right in the middle of that was Mars Hill, where Paul stands and he preaches. He says, when I came into the city, I see all these statues and you're worshiping all these gods, but I notice that you've got one, one statue to an unknown God. And as I stand on this rock, I want to tell you about him. And when he gets done preaching, some believe. Some mock. Well, we've got, look at what we've got. We're, we're good. Some said, we're going to hear, we want to hear you again about this. Okay. But until you're standing there, and you get, you get to see these things. It's like, whoa, wow, wow. Okay. And so we want to try to bring this to life, and we're going to show you pictures. Uh, so even if, if you're not able to travel with us this time, uh, you're going to be able to see some of these places and, and it, will, it will help your understanding of the Word of God, which I believe then will help you uh, to uh, better uh, retain the truth, the things that God uh, has for us in His Word. Now as we start out tonight, again our tour is May 22nd through June 1, 2022. The cost is $3,309.
Now those, that will be the cost for those who have a roommate, okay? And even uh, as we get closer, uh, we're going to be encouraging you, helping you if you don't have someone to travel with you. Uh, the first time I went to Israel, uh, I, I was with two college guys because Renee was home taking care of little babies. And, uh, and so it works, okay? Um, but we'll, we'll help you to get paired up. This is for 20 to 24 paying passengers. I believe we're going to be able to get there. Travel insurance is not included. Now let me just uh, have you open your brochure and on the back of the application. Here's page one and on the back of it, all right, you have the information. The travel insurance is, uh, information is at the bottom. Let me just mention to those who are traveling quickly, I spoke again to our, <coughs> our travel agent today. You'll notice on the left-hand side there's the horizon plan, and the cost is 7.6% of your tour cost. Now, why this is important is uh, for the reasons down below, uh, trip cancellation, interruption. So they will cover the trip cost, uh, trip delay, missed connection, baggage loss, and so on. Okay, now that is available up until March 23rd, which is when our final payment is due. So that is available, and she said they could fudge and even a week later, as long as you get your uh, travel insurance in that time. The best coverage is the unforeseen reasons plan. That's 10 uh, 0.25%, 10 and a quarter of your tour cost. This must be made with your um, deposit. And so we're going to be seeing here shortly, the deposit has to be made February 11th. But it has to be made with the deposit. Now let's say next week you decide to send Pilgrim your $500 deposit. At that time, you do need to pay for the unforeseen reasons plan. You can't send your deposit and then two weeks later, even if you're early, decide, I want that plan. It has to come in at the same time. Okay? Now, that's only available until <coughs> the time you get your deposit in, which is February 11th. All right, is there any questions about that? So the original date... Thank you, Valerie. That date changed with the cruise change. All right, so initially we were planning to do a cruise, and the cruise company was saying we won't let any unvaccinated people on the ship, and, and that, at that point I pulled the plug on the cruise because I didn't want our tour being split up. And out of that... Uh, Instead of spending time on the water, we got to uh, pick up two new locations. We're going to be going to Berea and Thessalonica, which uh, will be a blessing. Okay. Jackson? Yes. Um, could we get uh, uh, from a different company for the? Yes, you do. Thank you. You do not have to use who they recommend. Um, Maybe through your insurance company, uh, AAA or um, 
what's the military one? USAA. USAA. You might find better deals out there, and that's that's fine too. Okay. So payment schedule again February 11th, the $500 non-refundable, and then uh, at that same time your completed reservations form res reservation uh, forms, and then you'll want to send in a photocopy of your passport picture. That that page has got your picture and the other information out of your passport. Yes. Um, if I decided to go by myself with you guys, would it cost still be the three thousand three hundred nine? No, because right now we've got some other single guys that are planning to go, and so you'd be able to bunk up with them, and it wouldn't be the additional um, 540 single room supplement. Okay. Yeah. So um, we've got some other guys that are, are traveling alone, and I think we'll be able to get everybody right. teamed up. Okay? All right. Right now I think I'm at 13, 14, but we're still early enough. Folks are deciding. Okay. All right. Um, any other questions? We have a staff member going to drive us up and drop us off, and then they'll be waiting for us when we get back. No extra, no extra charge. Okay. I'd have to look at the, the details, whatever, whatever the, the details there are. Okay, so you have a sheet where I actually print it off for you. Here's what the study schedule looks like. So tonight we're going to be giving you information and then just some general uh, study information about the lives of Paul and John. Then the 19th, you can see the cities we're looking at, 26. Uh, there will be two uh, Wednesday nights in February where we're going to encourage you to visit other classes um, because I, I will not be here and appreciate you understanding that. But we'll have an, plenty of time to be able to get through all these cities. Okay. And then uh, March... The only, you'll see on the 23rd of February, let me back up, we're taking a couple locations each night. We're going to take all three uh, in February, Hierapolis, Laodicea, and Colossae, and, and do, I just gave you some general stuff. Um, we're going to do a deep dive that night, but they're all there together, and it's better to handle them at the same time. By the way, um, it is amazing what technology is doing to rebuild these cities. Uh, they're, they're literally taking parts of pillars and buildings that were destroyed by earthquakes, entering them into, in, into computers, and the computers are putting the puzzles back. And so you're going to walk down some of these streets and you're going to see, I don't know what kind of super glue they're using, 
But, uh, but they're putting it back together and it's like, wow. Because it's just all been laying there. Uh, a very high, back in Bible times, go, just take time some time to look at how many earthquakes are talked about in your New Testament. An earthquake prone area, those of us that traveled uh, to Israel, um, how many of those cities were, were destroyed by earthquakes and how often even in the Gospels you read about it. Um, but they're, they're putting those pieces all back together and it is really remarkable uh, what you're going to see. All right, and then um, we're going to take, for instance, in March the 23rd, Athens and then this monastery. We're not going to need to spend a lot of time on the monastery, but uh, Athens itself, that's going to be a full evening of study and then close out looking at Berea and Thessalonica. Right? Any any questions there? All right. So, just want to give you again to whet your appetite. These are some of the ruins in ancient Ephesus. Now, I mention Ephesus because as far as we know, those were the only two cities in Asia Minor that both John and Paul were at. Paul helped plant the church uh, that thrived there. Okay? And you can get in the book of Acts and read about what happened when, uh, when Paul was there. This was the place, and, and Paul's habit was to go into town and find the synagogue, and he'd always start preaching there. These were people that at least had some foundation that Christ was built on. So they, they should know because they do revere the prophets. They do know the scriptures. And so that's where, that's where Paul would start. But many times then, things did not go well in the synagogue. And, and you know, you've heard Bible scholars and, and preachers joke about Paul would go and then check out the prison because he was going to spend time there, you know. Um, but what happened in Ephesus is people start getting saved. It's a threat uh, to the silversmiths. And when we get to Ephesus, uh, when we study that, I'll show you models of that great temple to Diana. And, and these superstitious people, what, what was in that temple? Well, a meteor literally fell out of the sky, and they thought it was a sign from the gods, so they stuck it in there and... and and, uh, and build a temple around it and these idols. And so many people were being saved that they, the silversmiths felt like, and those that made these idols to Diana, felt like they were going to lose their livelihood. And it creates such a ruckus that they, they push, they, they, uh, one of the leaders in the synagogue, they rush into the amphitheater. I'm not exaggerating when I say it. We're going to stand in that amphitheater. That amphitheater is the quarter size of one of our major football stadiums. It's massive. Literally, they took the side of a mountain, carved it out, and made it seating. Mega thousands could sit in that thing. And so when they rush in there, the people start filling that stadium, which, by the way, tells you how big Ephesus was. And it could have really gone bad, but God 
intervenes and one of the one of the leaders of Ephesus gets on the stage where they would do plays and, and have uh, orators speak, and you're, you're going to get to see that stage. And somehow, that natural amphitheater, he gets everybody calmed down, helps them get back in their right mind, and everybody goes home. But they get Paul out of the way. That, that could have ended it for Paul right there, except obviously God's in control. You're going to walk around the ruins of Ephesus and think, okay, these are not small places where these missionaries minister. These are massive cities. And then you'll learn that in, in the case of Ephesus, for all of you, uh, you sailors and uh, coasties, it was actually a major port. But realize that 2,000 years ago, or in 2,000 years of history, a lot has happened. That port has silted in. And so when you stand in the ruins of Ephesus and look down to where the water is, it's miles away. And you'll think, you're kidding. Ships used to pull right up there? Yeah. But that's how time has changed things. So God established a church there. And what we're going to study is then Years later, Ephesus, the church, has a pastor. And that pastor is none other than the disciple Jesus loved. Who is that? John. And oh, by the way, at the foot of the cross, John was given responsibility for the care of someone. Who was it? Mary. Do you know Mary lived in Ephesus? So... When the Lord says, you're doing all these things right, but I have somewhat against you, you have left your first love. Think of the rebuke that was, because your pastor is the disciple that loved Jesus the most. And sitting in your midst when you guys have church, probably house church, there's Jesus' mother. If you can't figure out, excuse me, if you can't figure out how to love Jesus with these two in your assembly, you've got an issue. Okay, Think of the compassionate preaching that they heard from John. I mean, could anybody make the Bible come alive like John? I think, you know, we've got his gospel, but imagine him telling the stories from the pulpit. Okay. And, and so, once again... Uh, the, these are the, the nuggets that, that come, come to the surface when we, when we get to view uh, places like this. And walk around. This is just face, the face of um, one of the main structures there in, in Ephesus. Now you have a handout tonight. On the one side, you have Paul's second missionary journey. And I apologize that... When you turn the page, you got to go like this, okay? I'm blaming the copier. So, the second missionary journey, and then Paul's third. The reason I'm only giving you two and three is because these cities that we're going to be visiting, it was on these journeys where Paul went to the cities that we'll, we'll see. Okay? And then later, uh, as we... 
start studying the churches of Revelation, uh, some of them Paul was at, some of them he was not. But um, but we're we're going to give you the locations of those those cities where the seven churches uh, are. All right. So look at the second missionary journey. Look at Jerusalem. And oh, by the way, I, the PowerPoint tonight I ran off for you. You all have a copy of that with some places to take notes. But I didn't want you to have to squint to see the maps, so that's why you have, you have the other. All right? So, uh, really the journey, the missionary journey doesn't uh, start in earnest until it gets to Antioch. But it, they're sent out of Jerusalem. So Antioch, uh, Tarsus... Who was from Tarsus, by the way? Saul. Yeah, yeah, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. That was that was where he was from. Derby, Iconium, Lystra. Uh, notice that there are two Antiochs, and then Troas, and he gets all the way up to. We're not going to have a chance to visit there, but the farthest north he gets was really a Roman outpost. They called it a city, but it was really an out, outpost right on the border of the Roman Empire, Philippi. And that's where Paul, of course, Paul and Silas were beaten. Thessaloniki is the way you pronounce it. Who is Nike? It's one of their gods, okay? And so it's, it's kind of fun when our tour guides are talking and uh, you hear, it's not Thessalonica, it's Thessaloniki. And that's the way they'll, they'll pronounce it. Um, Berea, so we'll have a chance to visit those two cities. Then he went down to Athens, Corinth, across the water to Ephesus, Rhodes, that was one of the cities, or one of the islands we were going to visit on that, um, that cruise. Uh, Patera, and then back to Caesarea by the sea, and he gets back to Jerusalem to report. So you'll see some of the cities where we will be visiting are on that trip. If you flip your map over then, Paul's third journey... Again, sent out of Jerusalem, Caesarea, Tyre, Tara, and it sent, uh, oops, I'm sorry, uh, I'm going backwards. Go up to Antiochia, Tarsus, that's where it started. So on this third journey, what do you think Paul is actually doing? He's revisiting. This is just good discipleship. Go back, encourage the brethren. So that's what he does, and then returns back to Jerusalem. All right. By the way, what happens on his way back to Jerusalem? We're a church that uses faith promise. What was Paul doing on his trip back? He's bringing a collection back to the needy believers in Jerusalem. Those, those believers up in Macedonia. So look up in that region of Thessalonica, Berea. That's it. Those 
poor saints up there took a great offering. And Paul is saying to those down here in Corinth, okay, I'm coming back. When I get there, have your offering ready. Because the saints in Jerusalem need that. Be ready. And they were. So, and then what happens when Paul gets back to Jerusalem after that, that trip? He gets arrested. He gets arrested. He ends up spending a couple years at Caesarea. Remember that story? Spends a couple years there. And then they head out to go to Rome. He appeals to Caesar. And so that's, that's where they're headed. All right. Now here's where I want to pause because we're going to be looking at these cities and what the Lord did through the Apostle Paul and his missions team in these cities. But would you go with me to 2 Corinthians? And I'm keeping an eye on the clock tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And when you get to verse 23, Paul begins to describe, he had many blessings from these journeys. Many miraculous things happened in these cities. But he's going to begin to describe what else happened. Verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now let me just pause there. Bible scholars have tried to figure out how many miles on foot Paul walked. So when he says, I'm more, this is what the Holy Spirit's letting him say, but he's speaking the truth. Does anybody here tonight want to guess how many foot miles the Apostle Paul traveled? Now we're not talking about his sea travels. We're talking about just on foot. Anybody brave enough to make a guess? Looking at his journeys, they estimate he walked 10,000 miles. Okay, so keep that in mind. And let's read on. And labor's more abundant. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> 10,000 miles. Alright. And stripes above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, off. Now, what is he saying there? Literally, he's saying close to death many times. There was one time that he was stoned to death. And there's debate whether or not the Lord raised him back up. Where was that? He was stoned at, it happened at Lystra, okay? You can go back to your maps and see where that took place. And you'll remember that the disciples surround him uh, after they're done stoning him, and he gets back up, and where does he go? 
he walks right back into the city. Alright? You know what? You're invincible until God's done with you. So, deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. So, when you look at those journeys, we know about the main shipwreck when he's on his way to Rome. But how many other times was he shipwrecked? Two more times. Where do you read about that? He chose not to talk about it. But somewhere out here and up into the Aegean, he had two other ships go down. And he was aboard. Okay. Did it stop the apostle? No, that missionary kept going. Say, well, it's hard serving the Lord today. Uh, maybe not so much. Not, at least not in this country. All right. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of mine own countrymen. Now let's just stop. Perils of robbers. One of the fun things about our bus trips between these cities. Nice air conditioned travel coach gliding along the road. But you look out the window. And you realize there's a whole lot of places out here for bad guys to hide. When Jesus asked the disciples, do you have a sword? And they said yes. Now there's one point when he first sends them out, he says, don't, don't take a weapon. The second time as he's preparing them to go out, uh, he says, anybody have a sword? Yes, we have one. All right, that's good enough. Why would the Lord say that? He believed in the Second Amendment. All right, go ahead and say it. No. <laughs> he said it because when you traveled in these areas, when you got into these rural areas, you were easy pickings. It was the Roman Empire. You had the best road system in all of human history. But the Romans could not patrol all of those streets out there. Especially when you get up into those remote areas by Philippi. Just the road, and, and, and I remember the tour guide talking about this, just the road between Athens and Corinth. Those were wealthy cities, and, and again, wealthy people traveled there. You usually traveled in a group and you traveled armed because they were waiting for you. So again, uh, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen. Uh, Jews that had had enough of Paul and his teachings, in perils by the heathen, we talked about Ephesus tonight, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So look back at your maps, Missionary Journey 2, Missionary Journey 3, all those cities that had churches, and God had His man on the road to try to be there to encourage all of them. 10,000 miles. 
God's called me to pastor one church. Praise God with a bunch of wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ who want to be pastored. Imagine the care of all that, encouraging all those, and, and people that didn't so much want Paul's encouragement. What did he say to the Corinthians? The more I love, the less I am loved. The more I love you, uh, some of you, the more you just wish I'd disappear. Just go away. Okay. So, any questions, any thoughts? So as far as we know, we've shown you where Paul traveled. As far as we know, John, the area of Palestine, certainly ministering there. And then, uh, and you can get online and there are whole maps that show you where the disciples, where the apostles went and served in the known travel world of that day. I was looking at one of those maps today and, and uh, you know, it shows you western India where uh, Thomas ended up. The state of Kerala. Okay, Renee and I have been there. It's the only Christian state in India. And you can go to the very spot where Thomas was martyred. But through the influence of that one apostle, there's a whole Christian state. Now it's turned Catholic. But the influence is there. Uh, and you can, you know, Peter did make it over to Babylon. He addresses the saints in Babylon. And, and so you can look around. But the Apostle John, Palestine, Jerusalem, Judea, that area, and then over to Ephesus, doing his ministry in Ephesus, gets the attention of the Roman authorities. He is, uh, tradition tells us, that they boiled him in oil. And then they banished him to Patmos. Anybody know what Patmos was? What did they do on that island? Yeah, it was, they, it was a quarry. They, they mined. And so you've got an elderly apostle who survives there. He doesn't die there. And as far as we know, he ends up back at Ephesus and, and, and ends up dying there. So John's journeys were, were less, but nonetheless, he's still a missionary and he gets out of, gets out of Israel and is, is used of the Lord there at a, in a significant church. Ephesus was, was a historic church that really had influence. Uh, you can see centrally where it's located, but they had influence with those other, uh, other churches uh, being in a very key place within the empire. All right? Any, any questions? Brother Sam. Indicated that at the time they had in the Roman Empire had the best roads in the world. Any idea what the composition was? Again, you can study. You can get. Uh, you probably go to our library and look up get uh, Bible geography works. Zondervan Press has put some out. Moody Press has put some out, and they'll actually give you a diagram of how far down they went with their sub road and then the stones on top. Um, how many times do we have to repave our roads? 2,000 years later, in, in these ancient cities, you're still walking on the original Roman roads. They're still there. 
I'm not an engineer, but the expression all roads lead to Rome. Yeah, it was it was a well laid out um, road system. What do you think the main purpose of that road system? And, and many of those roads were built by Roman armies or massive groups of slaves. Why did they have such a road structure? Exactly. You had they wanted to move those armies all over the empire and do it quick. If not by sea, by land. Okay? And, and the way you do that is uh, you've got to have good roads. Good question, Sam. Any other, any other questions? Okay. So next time, in our next study next week, we're going to be looking at Pergamum and Here's another one. It's not Thyatira. It's pronounced Theatira. Theatira. Yeah. Oh, you do, because you're going to recognize what the what the tour guide is saying. And you're going to go, never Thessaloniki, Theatira. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go right into the scripture passages where the Lord will talk about. Uh, talk to the church about things and you'll learn that the structure of the city, the geography it, it is all part of, so when they're hearing his challenge they're thinking about their local surroundings and then we'll, we'll get to see too uh, how most of these cities had the same kind of layout a lot of them were ports you had the main temple district, you had the main shopping area, but then most of these cities had an Acropolis or they were the Acropolis. What is an Acropolis? Anybody know? The Agora would have been the city center, but no, the Acropolis. Give me, uh, oh, here we go. Okay, so look at the picture on the front. I'm glad they put this on here. You see ruins of a city, and what do you see in the background? You see a mountain, and on top of that mountain, what do you see? You see a fortress. So they would always build close to a mountain. They put a fortress on top, lookouts, up there could see if by sea enemies were coming or if by land enemies were coming and they would have a system, a warning system of trumpets that would begin to sound and everybody would leave the city and get up to the fortress and, and hopefully survive what was coming. So when you go to Corinth, when we, when we stand in the ruins of Corinth, We'll stand in the temple district, and you'll see built right into the mountain wall uh, dwellings. You'll look down Main Street. It's still there. It goes right down to the water. Uh, in one of those little booths etched in or built into the, the stone there, you'll see 
Hebrew markings, and it makes us all wonder, okay, well, at least we know there was a Hebrew who was running a business on Main Street, but then you also wonder, so in which of these bays was Paul making tents? Because when he was in Corinth, he was making tents. So, I wonder who he was selling, where he was at, and, and selling here. But when you stand in that temple district and you look right up the side of the mountain, guess what's at the top? It's their Acropolis. Corinth had an Acropolis. And so people could get out of the city, go right up the side of the mountain, get in that thing to try to survive, survive the invasion. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.